On today's episode of the Creative Art Podcast, we speak to Amber Beard from the Magpie Anthology. Thank you very much. Um, it's, you're welcome. It's a pleasure to have you on here. Um, Amber, how long have you lived on the Isle of Wight? Um, we've lived here for 18 years. Okay, so quite some time Quite then. some time, yes. Yes. Yeah. And, we bought our... And, um, go on. Uh, whereabouts were you from originally? Well, we lived up in London, so we are DFLs, I'm afraid. Um, and okay. We bought our house uh, that we still live in as a holiday home. Um, and because I worked on magazines um, up in London, and I, it was during the sort of times when people were made redundant quite frequently. Um, I, my yeah. husband worked in the film business and he was abroad a lot and it was a good time to move because the kids were at an age where in the old days when we used to have middle schools on the island, my son went was just due to go to middle school and my daughter was due to go to high school. So that was the okay. ideal, ideal time to come to the island. So we actually moved into what we had bought as a holiday house. Okay. So I wouldn't say you count as a DFL anymore then. <laughs> to think not I think we've um, I think we've added quite a bit to the local community and the local economy so I like to think that we're um, we're residents definitely yeah absolutely so um, do you enjoy living here absolutely love it um I was brought up in Ireland so it's okay. very similar it's a very similar community um small communities everybody knowing everybody else which I know drives some people mad but I actually really love it because um, I'm inherently nosy because I'm a writer, so I like to know things about people. So uh, coming and living here actually is very, very similar to living in Ireland, similar sort of landscapes beside the sea and all of living yeah. on an island. So, um, yeah, it, it suits me very well. I never I never really got to grips with living in London. I moved there when I was 18 um, yeah. and never really liked it, never knew my neighbours and didn't really people don't interact with each other you can see the same people every day of the week and they don't speak to you so I, I it's what I love about the island I love the the community you know people's friendliness people's kindness as well um so yeah it's a it's a really good place to be yeah it's definitely a slightly different way of life here I think absolutely absolutely but, yeah. and I think once you wrap your head around that I, I don't think you can come here and behave as though you're still living in London because that doesn't really work I think you have to really no. integrate yourself with the community um and you find your, as my, as my business partner, Chrissy says, you have to find your tribe. Um, and you kind of do here. You find people who are like-minded, who enjoy doing the same sort of things that you like doing. And there's such a wealth of things to do here. You know, people say, oh, but there's nothing to do on the island. There's billions of things to do on the island, um, you know, if you want to. So, you know, that's, that's great. It's a, it's a brilliant place for anything that you really want to do, whether you're sporty, whether you're into the arts, whether you're into music or theatre or whatever it is, there's, there's always something to do. Absolutely. And I think, um, you know, that there's, there are so many people on here doing all different things, a whole host of things, um, which is why I was led to um, start this podcast, really, yeah. just to learn about the different people and what they're up to. Absolutely. So the Magpie Anthology then, First of all, what a brilliant name. What gave you that idea? Well, a magpie is a collector of shiny things and an anthology is uh, pieces of published works. So sure. we sort of, we thought um, when we were thinking of names, we thought of lots of different names and for various reasons, um, they didn't make sense, but that kind of did. So we call ourselves, Chrissy and I call ourselves the two bright birds. So as in oh. two magpies, because they're good luck. So there, there were lots of reasons why we called it that, but um, Predominantly because we are lovers of shiny things, 
um, and we like to pick out the best bits and pieces that we see. We we write we write it predominantly for ourselves, actually. Um, yeah. We did a sort of a, a, a marketing analysis of who we thought was reading it, and basically it was us. So we pick out the things that interest us, and it's it's a little bit maybe of a. Uh, it's a slightly selfish read, perhaps, um, because they are all things that we enjoy and we like. But we do have lots of contributors um, yeah. from various different places, from various different places in the world, from different different backgrounds. We have male contributors, female contributors. Some of them are on the island. Some of them are off the island. We've had con contributions from Australia, all sorts of places. So, you know, it's kind of, again, it's a bit like the theory of the Isle of Wight. It's a place where like-minded people can sort of get together and read about stuff that they enjoy. Yeah. So um, is the Magpie Anthology, are you full time on this? No, no, we run it. Well, actually, what we do, uh, Chrissy is a um, she was a photojournalist and she's a photographer. She does a lot of food photography. Um, I'm a freelance writer. So we got together and kind of came up with this idea a couple of years ago. But we also do a lot of content creation for other magazines as well. So we do pieces for things like House Beautiful, for Coast magazine. Things like that. Okay. So we we produce features for other people as well. So I do the words, she does the pictures, and we yeah. we send them out into the world. So we we have our own magpie, which we collect things on, and we we publish um, continually. Really, we put out a monthly monthly newsletter. Yeah. Uh, so you know, people know that we've put some new stuff on, but we're we're updating it pretty much on a daily basis. Yeah. So, um, but we do content creation for other people. I do a lot of freelance writing. I work for people like the Chamber of Commerce, for Visit Isle of Wight. Um, and then Chrissy and I sometimes collaborate on other projects. So we did a recipe booklet or two actually last year for the World Cancer Research Fund. So I did the cooking. She did the shooting. Um, so we, we, we do lots of different sorts of projects. It's quite it's quite interesting. Oh, fantastic. It sounds like you're um, certainly quite creative with it then. We, well, we, try, we do try. We try to be as creative as we possibly can. We've got so many ideas. If we had another 24 hours in every day, we could do all the ideas that we've come up with. We've got ideas for books and all sorts of magazines and various things. I mean, unfortunately, print magazines, I love them. They're my favourite thing in the world. I worked on magazines from when I was 18 years old. Yeah. And I'm substantially older than that now. Um, so I've, I've worked on lots of magazines, things like Country Homes and Interiors. I worked on car magazines for years. So magazines are kind of in a bit in my, my working DNA, I suppose. And I get them on subscription and I love the feel of a magazine and I find, but unfortunately times have moved on. Technology has moved on. So a lot of people like to read things on the go. And we invented the magpie really so that if you were sitting on the train or you were on an airplane or you were traveling or you were doing something where you just fancy dipping into something that you didn't have to lug about in your bag, yeah. then it was the ideal sort of read. So it's, it's designed really, I, mean, I, I know a lot of people actually, because they've told me read it in the bath on okay. their iPad yeah. and things like that. So it's it's designed to dip in and out of. Um so it has a nest where you can save your favorite articles to read for you know to read later. So because there's nothing more irritating than seeing something and thinking, now where did I see that? So we created a nest where you could put all your favorite pieces or something that you didn't have time to read now or you wanted to remember or a recipe or a book review or whatever it was, and you can put it in your nest and save it for later. Ah, okay, that makes sense. So, um, Magpie Anthology is essentially a lifestyle magazine. Um, it's got all sorts of interesting um, articles and content on there. Um, yep. Obviously, you know, 
it, it, for anyone who just wants to go out there and start their own magazine, it's kind of a bit easier if you've got a bit of experience. Have you got, you've said, you know, you've, you've worked in magazines before, but is your background in writing? Um, did you go to university to study anything mm. that's helped you? Uh, no, I didn't. Um, so I worked on magazines, uh, Haymarket magazines, to start with selling liner jads on Autocar magazine when I was 18. Okay. Um, and I progressed from there up to being the display ad manager after a few years. It was in the days when you could be promoted really quickly. Okay. Um, I was the display ad manager of Klaskin Sports Car. And then I went, I went to the opposition. I deserted, went to the opposition, which was Classic Cars. Um, and then, I, which was IPC magazines, which is now called something else, I think Blue Fin or something bizarre. Um, and I worked on lots of different magazines. I then left and went to work for an advertising agency and did new business and did lots of things like that. And then got made redundant because it happened a lot in those days and went back to IPC as a temp, which was brilliant. So I worked as a temp on the enemy uncut magazine. So I worked on lots and lots of magazines as an editorial assistant and all various different jobs. Um, and then I moved to the island and couldn't get a job because um, it was really difficult because I was a DFL and people didn't really think that sometimes you get a little bit of prejudice here about getting a job. But anyway, I became a temp. So I went and temped for lots of different companies on the island, which was hilarious, including <laughs> um, including when B&Q was built. I was the site secretary and I was rubbish at it. But they were a nice bunch of boys and we built B&Q and I was the only woman on the site, which was even more hilarious. So I had my own loo, which they painted pink. Amazing. Um, yeah, which was which was brilliant. They were great. They were a really good bunch. And then I decided that I really was going to have a think about what I wanted to do. I, I did a degree via the Open University. I graduated when I was 40. So I did um, I did an honours degree in uh, history of art and literature. So it wasn't really particularly useful, but I've always been a real reader and a real bookworm. And my dad used to go to auctions and buy boxes and boxes of books, um, okay. and which was brilliant. So we lived in the middle of nowhere in Ireland. So it was very important that you had I had books and music. They were my kind of my two things. So eventually I thought, well, what am I going to do with myself? And I had a part time job and I only worked in the afternoons. And I thought, well, what should I do with my mornings? This was about 10 years ago. And I thought, well, what I'd really like to do is I'd really like to write. So I wrote off to a few places, um, some on the island, some off the island and said, look, you know, I haven't got any experience, but I think I could be a copywriter. I think I could write web copy. I think I could do this. I think I could do that. And basically got turned down by everybody apart from one little company in Ride called Bait Brand. And they took me on as a part time copywriter one morning a week. And that's where I started. And then I, I just really by getting out there and asking people. I did some writing for free. I wrote for free online magazines um, and I wrote off to Island magazines, obviously. And I eventually got a job writing for Style of White and I became the deputy editor eventually. Um, and then it really all sort of took off from there. And uh, the thing about the Island is once people know what you do, then you do get work. And yeah. so I've worked for a lot of island companies. I've written a lot of stuff. I've written features. I've written blogs. I've written sales brochures. I've written all manner of things uh, for people, um, mostly under the wire. So for things like Visit Isle of Wight, which I do a lot for, um, you will never see my name on it. But because, you know, we write a lot of things anonymously because people, companies like to feel as though it's their writing, really. So you take on their persona and you write as them. 
so the magpie really was what, what Chrissy and I wanted to do is we wanted to have something that belonged to us, that we weren't writing for anybody else. We were just doing for ourselves. Um, and that's kind of how the idea came about. We realized that we couldn't do a print magazine because that would be too expensive. And that would involve getting a lot of advertising and all of those things, because that's basically what drives a print magazine. It's either if it's a free magazine, then you live and die on your advertising. If, if you've got a cover price, then that's a whole other complication that we didn't really want to get involved with. So we thought, well, a digital magazine would be good. We could, you know, sell content as well, which would fund it, which is essentially what does fund it. We do contract publishing. So we've just uh, we're just putting together the editorial for Spence Willard's um, annual magazine. Uh, we're just about finished that. We, we managed to squeak in the last couple of interviews before we all uh, couldn't do anything anymore. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so we, we do a bit of contract publishing. We do all of those things. But the Magpies, basically, it's a bit of a passion project. Um, we do it because we really enjoy it. We get, we get a real kick out of it. We've met some really nice people. Um, and quite a lot of the content that we've generated for Magpie, we've gone on to sell to other people um, because they're just we, we're just interested in people and what happens and why you do what you do and why you think what you think and all of those sorts of things. So, yeah, it, it was born out of really us just being interested in other people. Fantastic. And, and a bit nosy. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I don't know if nosy is the word, but um, it, it does fascinate me, you know, learning about um, different people, businesses and, and what people are up to on the island. It, you know, I don't know whether it's an Isle of Wight thing, but I'm very like you, you know, I find it very interesting. Well, I think the, the, the best thing about the island, as I've said before, is the connectivity between people. So you meet somebody and they introduce you to somebody else who introduces you to somebody else who knows somebody else. And all yeah. of a sudden you have this huge network of people that you know and who know you. And when when somebody says, I mean, I've, I've had people who called me up and said, oh, so-and-so recommended you. And I think, oh, that's great. You know, it's it's really nice that we have that. And you wouldn't have that in London um, no. because it's too vast. You know, that's the beauty of having a, you know, a relatively small community and a relatively small business community as well, because everybody knows everybody else. Um, so you do tend to get work you know vicariously through other people um but also because you have a good reputation and and i do believe on the island that reputation is everything um Absolutely. you know it, it's a small it's a small place and it's um it's important to do a good job to do what you say you're going to do and to do it well um and i think if you stick by those rules then you won't go far wrong yeah so the Magpie Anthology, um, although you are based on the island and you do produce uh, content on the island, um, mm -hmm. you, you do write for places further afield. Is that right? Yeah. Well, we, what we wanted it to be, we wanted it to be a little bit like a Sunday supplement. So it would have a bit of travel, a bit of food, a bit of culture, a bit of stuff that we like, um, some interesting people, some houses, a bit of interiors. We're really lucky. We have um, some great contributors. We've got a lovely lady called Juliette Borden. Um, and she has been writing and writing for magazines for uh, for a, a long time. So she's extremely experienced. She does all of the sort of London exhibitions for us. She goes along and sees lots of exhibitions. She reviews a lot of books. We've got a new contributor, James Rayner, who's on the island. He's a lovely chap. Um, he's going to be doing some blogs for us. And he's just done some book reviews for us as well. 
We have a lovely lady called Jane Cook who lives on the mainland. She's an expert in well-being. And we're just about to put a piece up today about 12 steps to help you through lockdown. Um, so, yeah, we have we have a real sort of myriad of, of people who contribute. Some are older, some are younger. We have people like Chrissy's uncle who does the most amazing photo essays of places. So there are no words. There are just pictures. But the pictures tell, you know, a thousand stories. So it's, so it's 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 as though you were reading a Sunday supplement. That's kind of how we wanted it to be. Um, and we get, you know, we're always interested in people, co you know, contributing something to it if they want to. You know, if you want to get something published, send it to us. We're always happy, you know, to put stuff up, whether it's a brilliant photograph that you've taken or whether it's, a, as I say, a book review or a film you've really enjoyed or somewhere that you've been or a fabulous dinner that you had or something like that, you know. We're always interested to see and hear what people have done. Um, and, you know, it can be as simple as, as a cafe on the corner that sells the best cappuccino and best croissant in the world. Uh, yeah. Anything, you know, all of those things. We're always really interested to, you know, to, to hear what people have, have been doing, you know, and what's out there because we don't know everything. Um, no. So we always need so contributions from other people. Absolutely. So it's very much uh, focused on the reader, you know, what they would like to, to read and, you know, focusing on real experiences. And, you know, it, it's too all too easy to go to, um, I know, sort of print's sort of dying now, but, you know, you could pick up um, a more national um, lifestyle magazine and so much of it you feel is just sort of um, uh, thrown upon you, whether it's through advertising or marketing. And you sometimes question really... Um, how authentic the um, articles are? Well, generally speaking, when you read something, so say, for instance, somebody's gone to a hotel or gone to some resort or whatever, then they, they've usually been paid to go there. You know, they're on a yeah. trip. They've been paid to go there. They're going to say it's fantastic. You know, so a lot of the travel pieces that we've done, we've either been to places ourselves or we've had them contributed from people who've actually paid to go there. Uh, yeah. We've just done a whole series of podcasts, um, which are brilliant, from a lovely lady called Suzanne. And she had a broken heart and decided that she was going to go off. She picked six European cities, basically out of a hat, and went off on her own. So we have a series of podcasts called Susie Goes Solo, which are the funniest thing. So there are all the various mishaps that happened to her. She doesn't actually tell you very much about any of the places that she went no. to but it's more to do with you know when she when she went to Rome to get into the Colosseum which was going to cost 30 euros she actually waited two hours until a German tour group came around because she's blonde and all the rest of the tour groups are Japanese and basically <laughs> basically went in at the back of them so that she didn't have to pay to go in you know so there's all sorts of of funny things oh, that she did and how she found a, an unconscious drunk German in her bathroom semi-naked and you know just little anecdotes like that but um it's, oh, it's pretty, listen. yeah no no they're, they're they're really really funny and very honest and um she had this terrible broken heart and how she sat in a cafe in Amsterdam and cried her eyes out and the waiter was terribly worried about her and various things like that so it they're just um we we wanted to be the Sunday supplement, but not be inaccessible. So we wanted to say to people, look, there's all these things out there you can do, and, and actually you can do them. We're not talking about hotels that cost thousands and thousands of pounds. We're talking about, 
going to Amsterdam on your own, staying in a hostel. Here's all the stuff you could do. Um, so, you know, it, we, we tried to make things more accessible for people than a lot of the glossy magazines do. Glossy magazines are great and I'm a big fan of them. But, you know, it's a bit like when you read a house magazine and the kitchen costs £30,000. You think, well, that's lovely, but I haven't got £30,000 to spend on a kitchen. Whereas a lot of things on, for instance, Instagram, of which we are massive fans, you know, it's people putting things up and saying, well, here's my interpretation of the £30,000 kitchen, but actually it cost me two. So, you know, and, and that's kind of how we want to be. We want to have the... We want to have the glossy outlook, but make it accessible to people. So we are saying to people, there are some great places in the world you can go to. It doesn't have to cost a fortune. You know, here's here's a project, a make and do project. Juliet does some of those for us as well. Um, we put recipes up that are, you know, you don't need five million different ingredients that you can only buy in one specialist shop in London because that's all a bit pointless as well. So we try and make everything doable for people. And yeah. particularly at the moment in the situation that we're in, um, you know, stuff that you can do actually quite easily because anything at the moment is a bit of an effort. So, um, you know, to, to enable people to cook something or to read something or just to, you know, have something that's pleasant to, to look at or aspire to that's not going to cost you an arm and a leg. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, I'm sure people are finding um, real value in, um, in the Magpie anthology when they read it. Well, we like to think so. We hope so. Yeah. It certainly sounds like you've got um, an, so much variety in there that there's going to be something for everyone. Um, but having said that, you know, do you have a sort of target demographic? Or? Well, well, we, we, have our, um, we have our ideal reader and she's called Liz Whitaker. And um, we did. Okay. We sat down, Chrissy and I, one day, one afternoon, and we put down who our ideal reader is. So I suppose our readers are we, we have a lot of male readers actually because our analytics allow us to see that which which confused me slightly I, I should mention at this particular point that uh, Chrissy and I are technical numpties so the irony okay. of us actually running an online magazine is not lost on us at all so without no. the boys from nosy design we would be lost and a lovely girl called Chloe Gwinnett who does all of our she puts all of our podcasts up and the lovely Tom Stroud who edits all our podcasts so so without those three people, we would be actually unable to do any of this because they are the technical geniuses behind it. We come up with the ideas. We can do the writing and yeah. take the photographs, but we need other people to, to you know, help us along the line with this. So yeah. our ideal reader, basically, going back to your original question, is, um, well, we, we know a lot about our readers, actually, because due to the joys of analytics and MailChimp and various things, we know quite a lot of people who are reading it. And they do tend to be um, over probably over 25s, over 30s, up to, I would say, mid 50s. So it's quite a large, it's, it's quite a wide range. But then we do like to think that we are trying to appeal to a fairly wide audience. We're not, we're not, aiming it really at kind of millennials or what have you, although we do know that there are some that read it. It's probably yeah. an older, a bit of an older readership. People who've got a bit of money, a bit of disposable income, you know, are going to be going on a holiday, are going to want to buy books, are going to want to cook for themselves, those sorts of people, really. 
Yeah, okay. Um, and I'm right in thinking that um, the magazine is completely free for anyone to Absolutely. To so it's free to subscribe. We'd really, really like people to actually subscribe as opposed to just clicking onto it because that helps our analytics, it helps our traffic, it helps all of those things. So if you are going to have a look at the Magpie Anthology, please do subscribe. It won't cost you anything. We don't bombard you with emails. You, you'll get one newsletter a month. Um, and that just tells you that we've, you know, updated it and what have you. As I say, we do update it on a very regular basis, but we just like to send out a newsletter monthly just to nudge people to tell them what's on there, really. But um, you won't be sent millions of daily emails, I promise. No. And um, is it is it once monthly, the editions? Or? Well, as I say, there, it, you can't kind of do that in a funny sort of way. We We started off by doing that and then we thought, well... You know, people like to read things on a more constant basis. And also the beauty of a digital magazine, as opposed to a print one, is that you can update it at any time. If something interesting comes along or somebody contributes something or we want to write something about something that's happened today, we can. Um, whereas, you know, with the lag time with a print um, magazine, obviously you can't do that. You have to be a little more um, prepared. So, yes, we update it constantly. I mean, we put up some book reviews yesterday. We've got this 12 steps um, program which we'll put up as well uh so we send the newsletter out really to remind the subscribers that we're still out there um just to yeah. say you know these are all the interesting things you can be reading in this edition but we do update it constantly okay brilliant um so how many people do you have um i know you've mentioned you've got a few people helping you uh with the online stuff um your website is um really nice and slick and easy to Good, use thank you um that's okay um how many people are sort of involved with um, the anthology? Because I know you've got, have you got regular contributors? Yeah, we've got regular. So I'm the editor. So I, I basically upload everything. That is the one bit of the technology that I can do. Uh, Chrissy okay. is, is the creative one. So she tells me off for putting up bad pictures and stuff like that. Um, and yeah. when we collaborate on features, obviously, I do the words, she does the pictures. We have, um, as I say, various different, we have a well, well-being well uh, contributor. We have um, we have quite a young contributor, actually, Jessie McKinnon. Um, and that she's quite interesting. She's really into interiors and design. So she does a lot of sort of collected pieces about, you know, things to buy and tr things that are on trend and stuff like that. Uh, we have Juliet, who contributes a lot to us. Um, she's, as I say, she's been around for quite a while. So... She knows some seriously interesting people. So she does a lot of our Meet the Maker um, interviews um, because she actually goes and meets them. So she'll meet people like Annie Sloan or she's just done uh, Lenny Ware. Um, she and her daughter, Jessie Ware, who's a singer, they've done this whole um, podcasting piece about sitting down and having dinner and talking and what have you and cooking. Um, so she went and interviewed her. So she does a lot of that stuff for us. Um, We've got a, a, a chap who's called Monsieur Lacroix, who lives up north somewhere, who's a friend of a friend of Chrissy's. He writes us some quite left of field stuff, but it's quite nice to get a male perspective um, on things, which yeah. is why it's really nice that James has decided, James Rayner has decided to come and do some stuff for us because uh, you can sometimes skew it a bit too much towards the female and it's nice to have a bit of balance. Um, so, you know, we, we have a lot of contributors and then we have sometimes people just randomly will say, oh, I've written this, you know, w would you like it? Do you want to put it up? And we say, yeah, great. You know, so we're always open to suggestion. Um, with oh, fantastic. So, um, 
if people want to get in touch, perhaps they've got something interesting that they'd like to share with you, um, or they've got some questions, yep. or they've got some photographs, um, what's the best way for people to get in the touch? The best place for people to get in touch is editorial at magpieonline.co.uk. Um, you can you can also get in touch via the website if you wish. There is a mechanism on there to contact us. Uh, we have an Instagram account, we have a Twitter account, we have a Facebook account. So you can you can look at us on any of those uh, mediums. We're also on LinkedIn as well. So we do try and adhere to our social media as the nice boys at Nosy. They slap us on the wrist every now and again and tell us we're not doing it well. So um, <laughs> we have to uh, we have to behave and make sure that we keep all of those up to date. Yeah, no, um, Instagram is a massive platform. And I think, uh, you know, from running my own business, it is a really powerful tool if you, um, if you sort of make use of it. Absolutely. So definitely, definitely no, agree so with that one. I think if you're doing anything creative, um, want to meet, yeah. as, as I said before, like-minded people, then Instagram is a brilliant way of doing that, um, particularly for Absolutely. magazines and for anything that's visual, definitely. Yeah, it's a great way to capture someone's attention really quickly just with an yeah. image. Yeah. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you, um, Amber. Um, just before I, um, we, we sort of finish, obviously it's a really strange time right now. People are um, stuck indoors, perhaps if they don't have a garden to enjoy the sunshine mm -hmm. in. Um, they've got kids to occupy, they've got a lot of time on their hands and perhaps thinking, you know, what am I going to do today? What am I going to do tomorrow? Do you have any suggestions um, for things people might might like to do might enjoy doing um during this strange time i mean obviously um they've got yep. the magazine um whether they're flicking through it in the bath or um at breakfast time you know dipping in and out um but do you have any other perhaps creative ideas that think people people well, could do myself so i can only speak from my own my own perspective um so my husband and i are in a house on our own we've been very um assiduous about self-isolating about staying at home we've only actually been out to a shop i think three times in the last month so we've been you know we've been trying to stay in and trying to do stuff i think i would say to anybody have a bit of a routine that's really important kind of try and it's, it's not watching the telly all day i think you'd get very depressed if you did that i've they unearthed yeah. quite a lot of creative projects that I have, let's just say, put aside over time and resurrected some of those. And yeah. I bet most people have got something that they started and never quite got round to finishing. So I think it's a, it's a brilliant time, particularly if you've got, you know, if you've got kids and there are loads of things online for kids to do. I mean, it's amazing how many I, I was looking at something on Instagram this morning and there's a girl on the island called Bethany. And she's been doing online art courses for kids, which is amazing. Oh, yeah, she's yes, the exactly. And so, yeah, you know, yeah, that, yeah, yeah that's absolutely brilliant. You know, all of those sorts of things for kids are great. But if you're an adult, I mean, I've actually I bought some coloring books. This is going to sound very slightly bizarre um, some years ago and sort of half heartedly started them. And I've resurrected that because they say that coloring is actually quite good for your for your mindfulness, for actually doing a, a sort of mindful but mindless task all at the same time. Um, so I've, I've got those out yeah. again. I've got some magazines out. I want, I've got some projects looking forward that, you know, when we can actually all <clears throat> go out to the shops and do all the stuff that we, we were doing before, I've got some projects. I've got lots of back issues of magazines that I haven't, I haven't got around to reading. So I've been reading those. I've been tearing things out. I've been pasting them in a book as ideas to save for later. 
And I'm thinking, I used to I used to make quilts years ago and I've got loads and loads and loads of fabric. I'm thinking about making a corona quilt. So um yeah, I oh, might wow. get my um I might get my sewing machine out of retirement and um maybe start doing a bit of that because I just think I don't think you can set yourself massive tasks. I know there have been a lot of people online who've been saying, Oh, I've done this and I've done that and I've done the other and I've, you know, learned a new language and all the rest of it. I think you have to be realistic and we're all having a traumatic time. We can't see our friends. We can't see our families. You know, it's very difficult. My son lives in Denmark. I can't see him. My grandchildren live down the road. I can't see them either. So it's, it's, it's a really, yeah. it's a very odd time. And I think you can only do what you can do. And I don't think anybody should be beating themselves up about not achieving this or not achieving that. I think if you can manage to get through the day and that's probably good enough. So, um, you know, particularly, yeah. particularly for people who maybe aren't working because that's, you know, it's unusual. Yeah. I'm, I'm quite used to being at home. I work at home a lot, but I know that for a lot of people being indoors actually is quite difficult. So I think you have to just kind of take your time and do what you can do and not be too tough on yourself. Yeah. And just make use of what you've got in your environment. Absolutely. I suppose, Like you say, if you've got well, a project, has been on the back burner or an idea that you thought, oh, I don't exactly. know why I've never done that. You know, maybe now is the time exactly. to tap well, even into small it. small things. We've got some, you know, it's spring at the moment, so there are loads of birds, there are loads of butterflies. There are, So we, we've got a wildlife book, which we unearthed from the bookcase. And we sat on Sunday, on Easter Sunday, outside, because it was such a lovely day. And we looked at, actually identified, instead of just looking at the birds and going, oh, they're quite pretty, aren't they? We actually worked out what they all were. Um, and the butterflies that were around as idea. well. So, and it was actually really yeah. interesting. And there was a there was a chap being interviewed on the radio um, about exactly this. And he said it's very soothing because the roads are so quiet at the moment. You can actually hear the bird song, um, which is which is quite yeah. unusual. So he said, you know, it's a really good thing to sit if you can sit outside, and even if you have a balcony or you know you or an outside space, or you you've gone for a walk. It's it's quite interesting just to take note of what's actually around and be interested. We've we've found that my husband and I we've we found that quite good actually. We sat and uh, we were quite quite proud of ourselves for, for naming all the birds in our garden. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose if people don't have a book which they can identify the uh, the birds absolutely. by, they've got the internet. Absolutely. So um, if, if you put your mind to it, there's all there's sorts loads. you can be there's... doing. No. It doesn't have to be much, it's, but um. No, that's it. Well, Amber, it's been Absolutely. a pleasure speaking to you. Um, really interesting to hear um, what you do in the Magpie Anthology. Um, I know I'll certainly be um, subscribing and, um, and definitely having a read next time I take a bath. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure um, I need that so image yeah, so in my mind, pleasure. hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but no, thank you very much. Um, and I, I, I look forward to getting this podcast live um, in the next day. All right, or two. It's a pleasure to you. Take care. Thank you.